Hello, I'm Oliver Wang. And I'm Morgan Rhodes. You're listening to Heat Rocks. Every episode, we invite a guest to join us to talk about Heat Rock, you know, a hot plate, a fire album. And today, we are jumping into the deep end for a tribe called Quest Low End Theory. Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what, so what, so what's the scenario? Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what, so what, so what's the scenario? Ayo. Back in 1991. I went to Leopold's Records in Berkeley, California, R.I.P., and picked up Low End Theory on cassette. I'd been a massive fan of People's Instinctive Travels and the Paths of Rhythm, Tribe's previous and debut album, and I expected that this new one would sound like the old one. And initially, I wasn't that into Low End Theory because I didn't understand why there was so much bass everywhere because I didn't understand what Low End Theory was referring to. Of course, I very quickly came around and eventually embraced Low End Theory as one of the greatest albums of the so-called golden era. My friend Joseph Jasbo Patel, writing for Classic Material, the hip-hop album guide, calls this LP, quote, a consummate link between generations, taking the essence of jazz and the essence of hip-hop and showing they originated from the same black center. In the process, Q-Tip, Fife, and Ali Shaheed Muhammad put together 14 brilliantly produced and sequenced classics, including jazz, Check the Rhyme, and one of the most monster posse cuts of all time, Scenario. Joining us to talk about Low End Theory, all the way from his home studio in Detroit, Michigan, we have Denon Porter, a.k.a. Mr. Porter. Without question, Denon Porter has the chops. My introduction to his work, in fact, came courtesy of a heat rock, a 23-track banger called Mr. Porter Chops Glasper. The year was 2013. Denon Porter has the chops for sure, with both music in his pedigree and in his bio. As one of the founding fathers of D12, he and his five co-conspirators helped to take wordplay, skits, and swag, and Detroit to the next level. Scary ass was a false alarm. You think about to die when I just got on? Well, stop acting stupid. You so high that you might wake up with a guy on some new shit. Yeah, I think I did too much. This substance equals cuffs. Red pills, blue pills, and green. Big pills, masculine. I'll take a couple of us. I down a he has shined as a producer and as an MC. He's had soundtrack placement and score hits, and alongside being influenced by some of the great producers, he was called to rap, and he accepted the calling after hearing Benita Applebaum. Benita Applebaum, gotta put me on. Benita Applebaum, I said you gotta put me on. Benita Applebaum, gotta put me on. Benita Applebaum, I said you gotta put me on. We're guessing he's a Tribe fan. Mr. Porter? Welcome to Heat Rocks. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I have to ask, I, I already know that you are a Tribe Called Quest fan, inspired by Benita uh-huh. Applebaum back in the day. What makes Low End Theory a heat rock? It was like the first time that I listened to a full body of work and I could appreciate it. It was like I was molded by that, you know. I was into the production, the way it was put together, the transitions down to the compound of the samples that they was using, the mm. sound. 
overall sound. So to me, that's what makes it that to me is because it was like the first one of the first things. Like I talked to Dre about this. Like Dr. Dre, he was that's one of his favorite albums too. It's mm-hmm. like I always ask him, what is the album you would have made or you wish you would have made? And I think Low End Theory is one of them for him too. Vital question that we should ask right at the top. Where were you in your life when you first heard Low End Theory, and what were your initial reactions to it? When I heard this, I fell in love with something, mm-hmm. and it made me want to be something. Like It made me want to become something greater than what I was and where I was. And I got shot when I was 15 years old, mm-hmm. and that was a life-changing experience. And that's kind of where I was in my life. Like they, I wanted to be Q-Tip. I wanted to be Fife Dog. Mm-hmm. They used to call me Fife Dog in the hood because I was like, oh, he rap. <laughs> he like little Fife Dog. He rap like. So I think at that time, man, I was really just becoming a, a, a an, an adult. Like it, it made me grow up. Before I had status and before I had a pager, you can find the abstract. Listening to hip hop, my pops used to say it reminded him of bebop. I said, well, daddy, don't you know that things go in cycles? Way the Bobby Brown is just amping like Michael. It's all expected. Things are for the looking. If you got the money, quest is for the booking. Come on, everybody, let's get with the To pop. me, this is beyond just an album that samples jazz. This is jazz school. Mm-hmm. Right. The mm-hmm. beginning starts out with excursions where, you know, where where uh, Q-Tip is saying his dad says it reminds him of bebop. But there's so much jazz on here besides bebop. You got fusion. What are some mm-hmm. of your favorite samples or what are the standouts for you that made this album great? The, the first thing that I noticed was they used a lot of break beats and I didn't know. I didn't know where they came from. I didn't know how to get them. I, didn't, I couldn't afford records. I couldn't. I didn't even understand how to record shop. I'm, I'm going to tell you something I never even said in an interview. So I definitely told people I could never really afford the records, so I would steal my dad's records. The other thing that I did was my mom used to go around in our car because we didn't have nothing, and she would go around and pick up stuff and, and refurbish it and try to use it in our house. And I started going around, riding my bike around, and wherever I saw a garage sale or people were throwing garbage out, they would throw out warped records, mm. some some records that used to get wet. And one of the first records I found was Cannonball Adderley. Mm-hmm. Mm. song called the steam drill it was little pieces of that record that was in date right mm. and that was the first time that i found a sound from an album was like oh this is where they got then i found the drums which was was jackie jackson is it him or me right you know girl i worked so hard trying to be the man you wanted me to be I wanted you to provide some perspective here, especially as a producer yourself, which is that one of the things that Tribe was really known for was working with engineer Bob Power. Oh! Their collaboration, which I think began as early as People's Instinctive Travels, really helped shape a sound of drums in particular. This is something that they became just known for that other producers, Mm -hmm. other hip-hop acts became obsessed with, which was that 
Tribe Called Quest Bob mm-hmm. Power drum sound. Can you break down for us exactly what is going on that makes the Tribe drums sound like they do? When I listen to it now, I hear a lot of compression. And there's a thing that we use called um, transient. Transient. So what it does is it takes the beginning of a kick or, a, or it can pull those frequencies out. This is before a plug-in. So they was doing this with actual compression. Yeah. That's why the drums would pop. And then the other thing that they did that I noticed was if they looped something, they trimmed it right to the top of the kick or the top of the snare. Mm. It was no air on the front of it. Most people used to do that, and they would, like, take drums so they could get the whole sound of the snare. They would leave a little bit of air in the beginning of the kick or snare, right? And you would get that right full sound, but you had to nudge it to get it to be on time. And let me let me just go off subject for a second. This record also made me search engineers and people. When they were saying my man Ron Carter is on the bass, I was like, who the hell is that? I want to know who he is. <laughs> when he said Bob Power, yeah. I said, I don't know who this is, but I need to know him. Right, Because right. if Q-Tip's saying his name, I need to know who he is. Right, right. So I think what they was doing with those drums, man, was just a lot of compression and a lot of transient, like a lot of trimming right to the top and giving it that pop. It's funny because at a certain point in the mid-late 90s, I remember that if you w- use the word crisp drums in a music review, people considered you to be really cliche because it became, especially for hip-hop specifically, became such a cliche adjective, crisp. But I think mm-hmm. really that starts with Tribe. I think previous to this, no one was describing drums as sounding crisp. And, you know, that's that's what Tribe brought with it. They brought the crispness. One of the things that is the most charming about this album for me is that, to me, it is a slice of 1991. I remember when they performed Scenario on Arsenio, right? Oh, yeah. Performing Scenario from their CD, The Low End Theory. Please give it up for a tribe called Quest. I saw myself up there for the first time. Let's say that was the Black Panther movie, you know, for me. For me, it made me feel cool because I bumped it. And I'm from, I'm a West Coaster, I'm from L.A., but we bumped it out here. Also, too, I mean, I'm not going to get into the specifics of my birth date, but uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm older than you, brother. And when mm-hmm. Sky Pager, which is arguably one of the best rhetorical questions in hip-hop ever. Do you know the importance of a Sky Page up? And when I was able to get one, I just man, I just felt like I had so much swag because of that song. I was like, yo, I've got a Sky Page. i got the 800 number. So what it gave me um, was the feeling of being cool. In 1991, when this album came out, I was listening to Queen Latifah. Well, 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 it's the L.A. I was listening to light, act like you know. Open in the PM, windows tinted, they can't see in. They know it's me though, MC Light, she's bigger than Bolo. Gusto, gusto, I got um, I had even started to dabble a little bit in R&B, I was in the Jodeci. So when this came along for me, it was right on time. Because even as a West Coaster, tried and true, this was just so cool. And like I said, heady. And I was a little bit of a, of, of a, starting to be a little bit of a music geek. So I think it is the gift that keeps on giving because of what it taught me. And really, nothing is more 90s than 
a Skype page or song. No, so, no not, that is not age. Which is which is arguably to me that beat was all stand up bass. Sure. That beat was doom doom. Batteries the user called Duracell. They last for three weeks, so they do me well. Don't be going through no phases. My joint stays on twenty four seven from dusk till dawn. We will be back with our conversation with Mr. Porter regarding the Tribe Called Quest, Low in Theory, right after this break, where you get to hear about some other fantastic shows here on the Max Fun Network. Keep it locked. Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott, and we're the hosts of Everything's, Everything's Coming, Coming Up, Up Simpsons. Simpsons. We are a Simpsons podcast brand new to the Maximum Fun Network, and every episode we cover a different episode of The Simpsons um, that is a favorite of our special guests. We've had guests that are showrunners and writers and voice actors like Nancy Cartwright, all people that have worked on The Simpsons, and we've also had guests like Weird Al and people that are on the Max Fun Network already. And each week we will talk to a very cool guest about their favorite episode, and it is so much fun. So if you like The Simpsons, come listen to Everything's Coming up Simpsons. All right. Smell you later. Uh, either way, we're now on the Max Fun Network, and uh, I would like it if you checked it out. Uh, it's a lot less professional than what you're hearing right now. Um, <laughs> speaking of not as professional, I just... It's a minute. I, no, I just, I just hit record just <laughs> 20 seconds ago. Oh. So we got the end of that. So just give us the I head again. Say? All right. Hey, my name's Jonah Ray. Well, no, it doesn't matter, Neil. My name's Jonah Ray. Uh, this is, uh, I have a podcast uh, called Jonah Radio with my friends Cash. Oh, you gave your credits Neil. at the top. Um, no, it wasn't recorded. That's exactly no, 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 what he just gotta, said. No, but I know, we that's what I'm saying. Now, now you got to do your credits. Where do people know you from? <sighs> Forget it. Listen to Jonah Radio on maxfun.org. We're back on Heat Rocks with Danan Porter talking about the seminal album from A Tribe Called Quest, Low End Theory. The thing about this album, and especially the one that followed at Midnight Marauders, is that there are some artists who, you know, if you have just one thing that would be even remotely considered a classic, that would be an accomplishment. But for Tribe, you know, in the same way that the Beatles had, let's say, Revolver versus Sgt. Peppers, or Stevie had Inner Visions versus Songs in the Key of Life, you can certainly, or, or Michael with Thriller and Off the Wall, right? You know, the, the debate uh-huh. around Midnight Marauders versus Low End Theory is something that can both unite and divide many Tribe Cult Quest fans. And I'm wondering for you, <laughs> how do you see these two matching up? And why would you select, let's say, Low End over Midnight? Midnight Marauders was obviously a classic, but... Low End Theory, to me, was better hmm. than Midnight Marauders. And the simple fact is that was, that was like the, the, the East Coast Chronic Ooh, album. Interesting. Okay. That's like, that's to me, equivalent to what it is because the Chronic set the tone for a whole coast. Right. Mm. And at the time, Low End Theory, it set the tone for a coast to me. Mm. You know, that solidified to me like what hip-hop was. You know, it was the time, the height of backpack rap, you know, but... That's why I, I, I think it's that's what it is. The difference between Midnight Marauders and that, like Midnight Marauders, was like Chronic two thousand and one, opposed to the actual Chronic. Mm, I like that. And if you want to go even deeper, some some would say that Snoop Dogg's album was an extension of the Chronic, and it was almost better than the Chronic. With so much drama in the LBC, it's kind of hard being Snoop Dogg double G, but I. 
Somehow, some way, keep coming up with funky ass shit like every single day. May I kick a little something for the G's and make a few ends as I breeze through two in the morning and the party still jumping because my mama ain't. Snoop Dogg's first album, right? If you listen to it, yeah. It's, all, it's like, you know, it's a lot of arguing of points there, but that. Midnight Marauders is, is is dope. I don't take nothing away from it, but sh- you know, low end theory, man. Like, come on, it was the most incredible body of work that I had ever heard. What a difference two years make if we're speaking about low end theory and Midnight Marauders. I'll wait till the end mm-hmm. to tell you what side of the debate that I'm on. <laughs> Let, hey, man, let's just get through this interview. Uh, I'll uh-huh. get to the end, but but there were to me similarities in BPM. So electric relaxation is about at 99. Check the rhyme mm-hmm. is about at 98. But the vibe mm-hmm. is different. To me, the vibe is different. And that's, to me, a, yeah. a, a key difference between low-end theory and midnight marauder. As well as the difference between low-end and people and people's instinctive travels as well. Absolutely. I feel yeah. like with midnight, I, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like Low end theory is to be enjoyed alone. It, it's it's to me it's mellow. It, it, you don't listen to that anywhere mm-hmm. outside of your own headphones and your own locale. Where Midnight Marauders mm. to me was hype and party. Um, I, I tend to bump that more um, for for mm-hmm. whatever reason when I'm out or I, I've heard people drop uh, cuts from Midnight Marauder in the club. I, I don't hear that so much with low end theory. Even even with Check the Rhyme. What do you think the mm. difference is in vibe? Not style, but just vibe between the two albums. Midnight Marauders, right? They it was more it was it was a lot cleaner sound. The samples were more clean. They were more precise. Like the the, the drums were tighter. It wasn't a lot of loops. They was actually playing drum patterns. That's what makes it different. But low end theory to me, you want you may not hear that in the club. But if you play Check the Rhyme at any time, it's like. That's just, that was a single. Is that, it was, it was like, that's why it's more popular. I mean, we talking about popular songs opposed to feeling, right? Sure. When I hear classic example of a date rape, right? I mean, it was a story. So you're not really looking to, like, dance or nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Those songs, they made me feel something. I mean, I'm not... They definitely made me feel something, too. It just was a... I think Low End Theory was more heady for me. I experienced it Mm -hmm. more... You know, cerebrally, then I oh, think. Oh, right, right. I got what you're saying. You know saying. what I'm saying? I was more in my head with it than Midnight Marauders just had me more hype. That said, mm-hmm. one of my favorite jams on Low End Theory is What? And What is a Bouncer? Oh, like, what, like what's, yeah, like, what, yeah. what is fire? This is lame as a brain, could be golly gee. If you see a shrink, he'll charge you a fee. If you see me, you see the fee is nothing. People, people, patience, all backs, no fronting. What is a party if it doesn't really rock? What is a poet, all balls, no cock? What is a war if it doesn't have a general? What's Channel 9 if it doesn't have a senior? What is life if you don't have fun? What is 
Right? So there, yeah. I'm not going to say all the songs were super mellow. Like, there were bangers on there. I felt more dancey with, with, with Midnight Marauder. And again, as I said, at the, at the well, end. Well, yeah, I can agree in a sense, but because, like, when I hear Electric Relaxation, it's like, oh, man, this was, it just made me like, okay, this is incredible. Yeah. Like, you know, I felt like they was the kings of everything. But I think, to me, like, it, it just molded a lot of, it molded a lot of people trying to put together an actual album. Instead of, like, just a bunch of songs. Sure. Can we come back to the personalities of both Q-Tip and Fife? One of the things in revisiting mm-hmm. really all of Tribe's work, uh, especially Low in Theory, is they are such different MCs. And, and, you know, in terms of Q-Tip being more on the abstract, Fife was always, you know, this kind of chip-on-the-shoulder battle rapper. Where I come from, quality is job one, and everybody up on me to know we get the job done. So peace to that crew, yeah. peace to this crew, ring yeah. on the tour, we'll see you at a theater nearest you. Hey, yo, but wait, back it up, oh, easy, back it up. Please let the abstract embellish on the cut. Back and forth just like a cameo song. If you dig this joint, then please come dance along to the music because it's done just fold the line. Now I got a scat. And on paper, it wouldn't necessarily seem obvious that they would work so well together as a pair. And somehow with Tribe stuff, they always do work together despite that, to me, very stark contrast. And what is it what is it about that partnership that works even though again for me it it doesn't feel like it intuitively should that relationship created like somewhat duos like and i'm telling you like if you could take so many examples from this that relationship created outcast how does it work with big boy and andre mm. andre is super technical mm. he's super poetic when it comes to how he says a profound statement and Big Boy is right to the point. Q-Tip and Fife are the same things. Like, you can't listen to Q-Tip, just do what he do the whole time, unless it's a Q-Tip solo album and you're going there for that. Mm -hmm. And you can't listen to Fife do what he do unless you're actually going for that. I think that the balance to me is like one person is direct. Fife was just straight to the point. And he he balanced out what Q-Tip wasn't. When when Q-Tip wasn't straight to the point, you might listen to Q-Tip and some people would be like, what is he talking about? And then people be like, oh, I like him because I know what he's saying. Because, you know, Fife is bust off on your couch. Now you got to see his furniture. furniture. Like, you know what I'm saying? I can't like, even believe I just <laughs> repeated that. But that's actually one of my favorite lines. <laughs> that to me is one of the best uh, I, worst lines in hip hop. It's cool. Sonically, I think they were good together because Q-Tip's tone and flow sometimes got a little monotonal. The abstract poet incognito runs the cape, not the best, not the worst, and occasionally I curse to get my point across, so bust the force as I go in between the grit and the dirt. Listen to the mission, listen, missions I do work um, as a crack, the monotone, chilling up the jazz, so get your own, smoking on a beat, cause they try to dupe me of the best of the back, but they can't do rap for us, abstract, original, you can't get your own. At the time, you were sort of floating off in a, you know, in one way. Along came Fife, and he came in so hyped with the comedy that it always took the song um, to higher heights. And I liked that that worked because yeah. you need the yin, yin and the yang. I thought I always thought Fife was the comedian. And what was funny about mm-hmm. him was that he didn't take himself too seriously. Um, he was self-deprecating. Uh, my name is Malik, the five foot freak. I mean. You know, able to admit his shortcomings, uh, no pun intended. 
but I like that. The, I like that balance. You need the heady cerebral type, and, and you need and you need the dude that has jokes. And I thought their flows together just worked. Five never had to compromise himself to keep up with Q-Tip or or, or vice versa. Right. Mm. He knew what his man's was doing, so he he let him do his thing, and he came in and did his. Like I think that's why the balance. People don't balance things like that no more. I, I tell you this, Migos is a really good balance. They're a really good balance. Take the F at the mall. Walking with the set. Take the F at your bra. Uh, the coup came imported. The seasons all white come and snorted. Green Lamborghini, your tortoise. No human being, I'm immortal. Protect the AP for the water. And the chaos spend on my senora. My picky on margin. Balance is like that came because of this group, sure. right? You didn't feel like it was out of place. Like if you go in a kitchen and it's a, a lounge chair in the middle of your kitchen, like that don't fit. This fit for some reason. It was almost like going into a living room and it was a beanbag in there. We've been talking a lot about specific songs off of here, and I'm going to pose a very difficult question to you, which is if you had mm-hmm. to pick one song off of here that is the fire track, which one would you pick? Oh, you ain't right. You I ain't know. right, Oliver. I know. I would say Butter. And I found when I found that record, oh my god. I was heading for a thing and I didn't know I felt spiritually connected to it. Like I was like, I think I'm gonna go through this. And I related to it a lot. Butter. It's like butter, baby. It was like it was just him talking about like how how life was for him and it felt like they were people that I looked up to, they were much older than I was, but they molded who I was as a kid. 1988 Butter will always be precious to me because my dad was a fusion fan. And so he was in love with 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 Weather Report, and that sample oh, yeah. is uh, is young and fine. Opening the song is just so cold. Like he could have been talking about butter, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like real butter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he could have been talking about anything. It, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was just so cold. Just the opening of that song is so cold. So that it, it's not my fire track, but that will, that one will always be precious to me because of uh, because yeah. of the weather report and my dad. So Morgan Wood is your fire track, then? Come on, Oliver. Well, you just said it wasn't. So naturally, I, I got to ask you what it is then. It's got it's got to be something like. It's got to be Check the Rhyme or Bugging Out. Mr. Porter, mm-hmm. it's Check the Rhyme. Yo, Fife, you remember that routine that we used to make spiffy like Mr. Clean? Um, um, a tidbit, um, a smidgen. I don't get the message, so you got to <laughs> okay. run the pigeon. You're on point, Fife. All the time, Tip. You're on point, Fife. All the time, Tip. You're on point, Fife. All the time, Tip. So then grab the microphone and let your words rip. Now here's a funky intro. I mean, uh, 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 ooh. Uh, uh, yeah. So cold. I mean, like I said, I'm a West Coaster through and through, but I was always fascinated by people talking about their areas. 
back in the day on the Boulevard of Linden. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. Yeah. And I love Minnie Riperton. Now, the debate has oh, has, yeah. has continued to rage. What's, what is the better Minnie sample? Right? Is it Lyrics to Go? That one or Lyrics to Go? Right, is uh, that one? I'm not going to answer yeah. that either in this interview because I want to get out of here. No, live, I think, I think it's, it's, lyrics, it's Lyrics to Go for sure. Lyrics to Go. The rhythmic variation Waking in the morning I still represent the nation When I speak a nation Please don't make the deviation Rebels of the party Who create the drum sensation Mind is a bit of different information Two great songs But we've talked about the fire tracks And unless Oliver, do you want to go into yours? Well, I want to just mention something because this has come up with both Butter and with Check the Rhyme in practically every single song off of here. And this is something that Mr. Porter mentioned earlier, just in terms of how the album is laid together, the sequencing of it. And to me, especially the first half of this album mm. is as perfect, mm-hmm. perfectly a sequenced album as I've ever heard with every single segue just being I mean, on beat, both in the literal sense, where it's it's on tempo, but just every song just blends into the next one perfectly. So, uh, I'm just going to give you two examples: the way that excursions ends with that last poet's piece, and then the beginning of the bass lines and bugging out. Or you could take the end of verses of the abstract where Q-Tip says, and we out, and immediately it jumps into the beginning of show business. You gotta say, the quest is on. God damn it, that's the quest is on. And we out. Let me tell you about the snakes, the fakes, the lies, the highs, all of these it was so well thought out in terms of how do we open these songs and then how do we open these songs in a way that it just flows out of the end of the previous track. And I just don't get why artists don't invest more time in thinking that through because the experience of it, sitting through that linear listening experience that a lot of us grew up with because we listen to stuff on vinyl or on cassettes where you couldn't just skip tracks, but it creates mm-hmm. a flow that I think is so underrated, but when it's executed, you never forget it. Mm. The art of putting together a body of work left when we start streaming. Like, you're not going to pop a CD in and, and bother to listen to a whole song or give it a full listen. Because mm. you could just skip to, you put they put the playlist together, you know? Like, so they're not going to ever really understand that experience unless it's an artist that you expect that from. Like, they're going to listen to a Jay-Z album from front to, beginning to end. They'll listen to a new Child Called Quest album because they that kind of group but they still will take the songs that they like and just put those in the forefront because it's about popularity today. It's not really about a body of work. So once you start losing, I think technology changes a lot of things until they come up with the next thing that makes music enjoyable. And I'm going to tell you, I think the only way that it's going to be that way where people listen to whole albums is when they put a chip in your head that you can hear music and all these things. And a no-pause button when we sort of name-check some of the people who, who have been influenced by this album and by Tribe. We forgot to mention Digable Planets. And we were just mm-hmm. sitting down and talking to, to Ishmael, and he talked mm-hmm. about, you know, you know, jazz on his album. And of course, they, they both sampled, both albums uh, sampled Art Blakey.
both album sampled The Last Poets. So I think and we include them. We need to include them in a bunch of uh, the children uh, of A Tribe Called Quest and, yeah. and, and, and the influence. We also, you know, we've gotten into fire tracks as we always do. If if you can name a sleeper track on here, if you think there's something that went under the, went under the radar, whether deserved to or not, what's the sleeper jam on here? Everything is fair. Mm. In the saline, and runs the fast lane. Barely knows her name, struck by her fame. She just got a bend. She rides with her friends. Gotta keep a beeper in her purse to make ends. Rolling down the block, checking out the spots. She winks at the cops. Look at Miss Elaine, she runs a fast lane. Barely knows her name, struck by her fame. Like that is one of the best songs ever made. Hmm. It's one of the best songs ever made. This might be kind of sacrilegious because hip-hop does not have a particularly great tradition of cover songs. I mean, they are there, here and there. But I'm wondering if you could pluck a song off of here and either cover it or remix it, what would it be? I've tried to redo Butter myself a couple times Hmm. for my own self. But I think when you get to some records and some things, it's like musicians, like, ah... I'm not going to cover that because it's too perfect already. It's just it's too yeah. perfect. Like yeah. a lot of these, you can go back and use a lot of the samples, but covering something, yeah, it's kind of hard to do. It's kind of hard to do. You know, you could recover. Somebody could totally do infamous date rape, especially now with like Harvey Weinstein and all that kind of thing, Bill Cosby's and all that shit. Like when you think about it, like that stuff's still going on. Mm-hmm. This is tough, too, but we, we always close it out this way with this last mm-hmm. question. It's tough. Brace yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a tough question. It is. It's a tough, tough okay. question. So we okay. ask this of all, all of our guests. If you could describe low-end theory in three words, what would they be? If it was me, I would say Kobe and LeBron. Uh, all types of great on this album, but two mm. different types of greatness. Mm. If you had to describe mm. Lewin Theory in three words, what would they be? The foundation. Mm. From this group, this album, to me, was a breakout album. It was It was even more so a breakout album from the first one with Benita Applebaum. You was anticipating what was going to happen next. This created so many people that we have today and so many artists that we have today. They laid the bricks to what backpack rap was. Even though it got better and better and better. Like, you know, Midnight Marauders, obviously, it's still an incredible album. Like, But I would say that was the foundation of backpack rap, period. That's cool. Mr. Porter, it's been a pleasure talking to you about this album. We appreciate that you chose this album because it is uh, certainly one of our favorites. I will answer the question that my favorite is Low End Theory out of the two. It's mm-hmm. tough, uh, but Low End is classic. Not to say that Midnight Marauders isn't, but Low End Theory just makes me feel uh, something inside yeah. that Midnight mm-hmm. Marauders does not. But I appreciate uh, the greatness of, of both albums. And again, thank you for bringing this. We were excited to find out that you wanted to talk to us about it. So thank you for sitting down with us on Heat Rocks. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. It was really fun. And where can people find you out there? Pretty much only thing I really use is Facebook or Instagram. So it's uh, on Facebook, it's just Danan. And on Instagram, it's Danan Dos. 
Welcome to the Heat Rocks Postscript. This is a little experiment. We're just going to, tr- me and Morgan is just going to try talking a little bit about the album, maybe the convo under discussion, just to see how we, you know, what new thoughts we might have about the album, uh, something along those lines. So, Morgan, why don't we just start with you in terms of revisiting Low in Theory? Did this change your opinion of the album? You know, I'll be honest, I go back and forth about, you know, the better album. We talked a little bit about Low that. End versus Midnight, you mean? Low End versus Midnight. Yeah. And Midnight Marauders, it came in a time in my life that was really beautiful. But Low End Theory came at a time in my life which was beautiful, but a period of discovery. Mm. And I can't take away the, you know, the preciousness about that period of discovery, not just of, of hip hop, but of music in general. So that it will always be precious, more precious to me um, because of that. And also some of the quotables. I mean, if I if I had a dollar for every time someone says industry rule number four thousand and eighty, it's just one of those things that sticks with you, you know. At the time that he said it, I was like, I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. And and I don't know how, how, how much my opinion of that phrase has changed, but it's it's obviously a quotable. And right. for me, it is just precious because of some of those quotables. I go certainly back and forth on the two albums. And I do think one of the things I said during this episode is that the first half, basically from excursions until you get to infamous state rape. Up until that point, it is, to me, one of the most perfectly produced and sequenced halves of an album in in any musical genre. It's just perfection. Date Rape, to me, in a lot of ways, kind of veers off track. I think part of it is I don't like the beat on it as much as other uh, some of the other songs. Mostly, it's the content. And it's I, I didn't really we didn't have time to really get into this during the episode. But if you look at hip hop, especially in that era, there are a lot of songs where they are all variations on a theme, which is, I could have raped the girl, but I didn't. Sure. As if they deserve credit for not raping people. Like, right. I'm a good guy because I don't rape women. It's like, mm. I mean, certainly with the, and this is something I think uh, Danown was pointing out, you know, you think of, you know, in a post Me Too, post Time's Up. It seems even worse now in, 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 in perspective. Back then, I think it was more acceptable because just the ways in which we talked about things like sexual assault were it's just a, a, a different era. That said, that aspect of it hasn't aged well. And this is one of those trivia bits about low in theory. But the original version of show business, which I believe Jive Zomba, which was Tribe's label at the time, they made them go back and change it was this incredible – homophobic screed like it mm. like pales that like you pale in terms of just listening to it again by today's standards i suppose and um yeah the label basically said no we're not going to put this on there you got to take this back and then they redid it and then that produced the brand nubian tribe called quest version that we now know today so i'm going on a bit of a, a bit of a tangent with all of this but yeah that first half up until date rape i thought was incredible we didn't really talk about the artwork at all about it. And this was the album that introduced the Africa Colors person, for lack of a better sure. term. Yeah. Sure. And I always wanted to know what was, this, what was the purpose of this woman? What did she symbolize? Yeah. You know, what did she represent to, to the band? I guess we'd have to have a, you know, Q-tip in to tell us a little bit more. But it's a it's a it, it's one of those images that when you think of when you think of a tribe called quest you think of this woman you think of right. red black and green and, and this woman which i think speaks to how iconic the album is because 
as an image, it's not a particularly grabbing image. Right. It's, it's nothing. It's, if you just saw it randomly someplace, you wouldn't, your eyes wouldn't go to it. But because Low in Theory became the album that it is, we now consider the artwork iconic yeah. after the fact, but not necessarily because of something intrinsic in the art itself. You've been listening to Heat Rocks with me, Oliver Wang, and Morgan Rhodes. Our theme music is Crowned Ones by Thess One of People Under the Stairs. Heat Rocks is produced by myself, Morgan Rhodes, Kara Hart, and our brand new producer, Shana Deloria. Today's show was engineered and edited by Kara. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher, and executive producer is Jesse Thorne. We are part of the Maximum Fun family, taping every week live in their studios in the butter, strictly butter, neighborhood. <laughs> of Westlake, Los Angeles. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Heat Rocks Pod. You can find a link to our Facebook group on our webpage, which is heatrockspod.com. And that same site is where we'll post show notes for every episode, including a track listing of everything you've heard today and other goodies. Again, that's at heatrockspod.com. We want to thank all of our five-star iTunes reviewers. That includes Solo One Love and In General Peters. If you haven't had a chance yet, please please, please consider taking some time out to leave us a brief review on iTunes. It is such an important way for new listeners to find us. All right. We also wanted to thank all of our social media fans out there, including Dan Diggity One. Yes. Uh, Jason, it's 67 degrees here, Picker. And also Radio B-Sots. We do so appreciate the tweezies and the retweezies. Thank you so much. Good to see you, Oliver. Good to see you too, Morgan. And just one last thing, we want to give you a sneak peek at next week's episode right now. What is the fire track off of that LP for you? So mine is Time and Space, Ooh. A New Refutation. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta do what you feel. That horn break is just ill as fuck. And then <laughs> Butterflies rap at the end. Oh my Ugh. God. It's it's not, like I said, it's not even what he's saying. It's just like the way he rides and at, he ends his verse with hit it like a dick planet god damn it then I'm just like oh I love him it's amazing what are you talking about I don't know MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Listener supported